back everyone to another episode of what's the story with jillian and shauna today we're talking about episode 36 of wishbone the entrepreneur uh the story focuses on king midas shauna do you have a relationship to this story i probably learned it first from wishbone because i remember this episode really really well and the expression Midas touch is used a lot in a positive sense, um, especially because I spent a lot of time like in the startup world and the tech startup world, which this episode uh, made me think of a lot. Um, I think the that there are trade-offs is a piece that isn't really discussed like in the real world when people talk about this story, but mm-hmm. definitely a familiar story and definitely a Wishbone episode I remembered. What about you? Uh, yeah, the same. I think um, sometimes in my head I can like get Midas, King Midas and a Rumble Stiltskin mixed up, just like the spinning straw to gold situation. Um, even though I know, I just have to like think through it a little bit. I have to, um, I know the difference, but I definitely remembered the wishbone or the like Midas element of this episode really well. So I think that's my main connection to it as well. So should we hop into the episode and start talking through it? I really, after a string of kind of disappointing episodes, I loved this episode. I was here for it. Me too. I actually was thinking, is this the best adaptation? <laughs> like, I loved it. Um, and it's actually kind of a basic adaptation too. There's like one set piece. <laughs> I know. But yeah, I know. it was pretty great. I actually didn't um, do a ton of, re- I didn't do any research on um, the story of Midas. So I don't know how well they adapted it. Totally dropped the ball on that. But that's uh, okay. I didn't do any research either, but I do feel like we got the high points. Yeah. I didn't know Ovid had written it. (laughs) Yeah. I think I think it pretty much hit most of the points, but we'll see. Um, all right. So we can hop into the episode. Um, and it opens up with Joe sitting on the porch reading the classifieds and just looking a little bit distraught. And Ellen comes out and suggests, like, well, you know, Joe, if you want to earn money, you could start a business mowing lawns or you could do a newspaper business. And Joe's like, no, mom, I need to make real money. I want to be like that kid we saw online who started an internet business. We saw him in the news. We started an internet business. And I was like, this is so great. Early internet businesses, I can't even imagine what they were. He so, told us what the business was. He like he designed custom computers. So of course this kid was making thousands of dollars. Like right. that's complicated. That was complicated back then. I just meant like what the business operations were of an online business in the nineties. Like I don't even know how that would have worked. Um, but yeah, that is a complicated business prospect. And Joe did not come up with anything so complicated. So he was not going to make skadoodles. Joe didn't even come up with his own idea. That's true. (laughs) That's true. So Ellen warns him and is like, you know, it's a lot of work to run a business and you have plenty of time to work later in life. You don't need to work right now. Um, and as they're sitting on the porch talking, Wanda drives up and she drives this like swanky old school convertible, which was very Wanda. I loved it. And she's like unpacking. We've all seen these- it before. She oh, works on it sometimes. Oh the, yeah. 
before we dialed in, Jillian and I were talking about like becoming more mechanically inclined, and maybe Wanda was one of my idols. I was going to say, was Wanda Gilmore our inspiration? She might be. I think she might be now that I'm thinking about it. Oh my God, we're Wanda. So Wanda is like unpacking groceries from the back of her car and she's got like all of these bags and she's like so underwater. She's got so many things to do. She has to bake some cakes. She has to like write up a flyer or something like that. She needs to go to the grocery store. And Joe's like, I could go to the grocery store for you. That's something I could do. And she she's like just so relieved that Joe is willing to help out. And so then the next scene we see, she's in the house baking a cake and she's using a pottery wheel as a mixer. That was very confusing to me. Uh, and Joe's I loved her. it. She was using the pottery wheel. Cause you know, when you're like mixing, you have to turn the bowl sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like she was using a pottery wheel to turn the bowl while she had a hand mixer, like whisking. It was brilliant, frankly. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> Joe was helping her by separating eggs, um, like separating the yolks from the egg whites. And she was like, you know, Joe, this could be a great business for you. And he was like, separating eggs? That's what I could do? And she's like, no, you could start a grocery shopping business. I think you could earn $10 a week and lots of people need help. And so you could earn $10 a week per person just delivering groceries for them. And thus, Joe Talbot becomes the first Instacart. And, you know, he's the revolutionary. What I, the other thing this reminded me of was a couple episodes ago, we learned that David's parents do this for like elderly members of their community already. Yep. So if Joe Ashley like was trying to get ideas for businesses, like they're all around him. There's like, this is like basic things. Like look for the problems that like people are really suffering from and solve them, which is not what entrepreneurs tend to do they tend to back into their company they're like i created this cool thing what problem can i solve with it which is a <laughs> terrible terrible strategy slash that's what every single entrepreneur thinks they need to do i'm done <laughs> all of your entrepreneurs soapbox <laughs> all right so then we see Joe and he's reading a bunch of library books, which I loved because obviously Alan helped him find all these books on how to run a small business and how to become a teen millionaire. And he's showing them to Sam and David and they're like, Joe Talbot, you are not going to become a teen millionaire. Um, but he tells them, you know, my business has already grown 500% in the last two weeks. And I was like, that's because you didn't have a business before two weeks ago. But... <laughs> Sam and Joe are like, you know, we could help you. We could help you run your business and then you could really continue to expand. And he offers that offers to pay them $4 an hour and they are jazzed to make $4 They're an hour. They're so happy. They're so happy. So he's like, okay, you guys can start like with the bread and help me bag up all of that. And Sam's like, well, aren't you going to help? And he's like, no, I'm reading a book about how to be a boss. I'm learning to delegate because that's what authority is all about. And I was like, oh, here we go, Joe Talbot. I so, know this is an episode that parents must have loved watching. Because oh, yeah. this is like so for adults, so much more for adults than kids. This totally. So they show Joe hanging up a huge poster board at the senior center. And it's like complete with a quote from Wanda. It's like, I love Joe Talbot's groceries or something like that. So funny. Um, 
And User testimonial. Business, yeah, which is important. <laughs> Little less like um, impactful if it's handwritten in cursive with a Sharpie, but you know, that's just me. Um, so business is booming and they've got like all these bags of groceries in Joe's kitchen and Sam is putting like little, um, like bundles of flowers in each bag. And she's like, do you think our customers are going to like this? And Joe's like, oh, that is a brilliant marketing, marketing strategy, Sam. All the books that I've been reading say like, you should really try to connect with your customers. And Sam was like, once I was just trying to be nice. And so when is being nice a strategy? So we can see that Joe is already starting to come off the rails. And then David rolls up on his bike and his dad helped him build this bike trailer, which was very fancy. And he was like, this trailer can hold nine bags of groceries and we could build two more. And then we could deliver so many groceries. And obviously Joe is on board for this. And on the side of the, the uh, trailers, it says Joe's delivery brings home the bacon, which is the best name. <laughs> and like marketing, um, like my, slow, oh my God. Slogan? Slogan, thank you. I kept thinking logo. <laughs> the best <laughs> slogan for his company. I just love it so much. And so they show the three kids riding their bikes and Wishbone is riding in Joe's trailer, obviously. Which, side note, this is one, of my, this is one of my life dreams to teach my dog to ride in a bike trailer. She's afraid of wheels, so this will never happen for me. But, like, I just think she would be so cute riding in a bike trailer behind me. Anyways. She's gonna be so jealous of your kids and the bike trailer that she's immediately gonna jump right in. <laughs> That's what I keep thinking. Like maybe if she can see, like, oh, the whole family is going for a bike ride and I have to stay home, then she'll want to go with the kids and then she'll ride with them. That's that is one of my dreams. Thank you for making it come. <laughs> you. I can picture it for you. <laughs> can you just see her, like her ears flapping in the breeze as I ride my bike? Oh my god, it'll be so cute. I'll get her a little like scarf and goggles. A and visor, it, yeah, and, like goggles. Oh my god, please, like wishbone dressed as an aviator. Yes, it'll be so cute. So Joe is back in his room, counting. Oh my gosh, I keep yawning. Joe's back in his room counting his money and he is very rich. He has like 200 and some dollars. And he's like, oh, Sam and David, I have something for you to show your my appreciation. And he literally gives them certificates of appreciation with their names written on them in pencil. And they're not amused. Pay them. He, he promised them money. We never once see him pay them the $4 know, dollars an hour. I and he said I $4 know. an hour, not $4 a customer, which is right. actually dumb on Joe's part. <laughs> right. Right. I don't know why he, I don't know why they didn't bring that up and say like, uh, I thought you were going to pay us, but we never see him pay them. So he, Joe calls a staff meeting in his bedroom and the kids show up and David has been named employee of the week. And Joe is wearing a tie and like a short sleeve striped shirt. And it was, so too, funny. it was super funny, but it was too much. And Sam and David are not impressed. They're like, oh gosh, what are we getting ourselves into? And he's got an agenda up on a whiteboard and he's got like a pointer and he's like really taking this very seriously. And he's like, listen, I got us uniforms, which I was like, that's kind of a good idea. And then Sam was like, but I thought I was doing the uniforms. I painted these t-shirts and she painted t-shirts with like fruits and vegetables on them. She even made one with, for wishbone with little like meat product. And they were so cute. 
And Joe was like, those look handmade and unprofessional. We can't wear them. I got us these uniforms from a secondhand uniform store. And I had our phone number embroidered on them and our names. And they were like, these smell and feel like they've been deep fried. And Joe was like, I don't care. You have to wear them. They're a horrible, like khaki color. Not even khaki. They were like beige. They were brown. (laughs) And then they had like dark brown pants and then like a horrible hat. And... They're and Joe's like, I have to earn them off. Joe was oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it'll take you three hours to earn the, the yes, how much I wrote that in here somewhere. Yeah. When Sam yeah. made shirts for free and they were very cute, I would yeah. have worn one of those. I would too. So they're out making the delivery, all three of the kids together. And Sam and David are like, ooh, let's race each other. But Sam's foot slips and she falls off her bike and groceries tumble everywhere. She skins her knee. She rips the, like, the knee of her pants open. She hurts her elbow. And Joe is pissed. He's like not even concerned about her safety. He's like, Sam, you just ruined all of our profits. And Sam like tells him off. I was really proud of her for standing up for herself. And she's like, Joe, I can't take this anymore. You are just not concerned about us. And this is not, this is not what we signed up for. And he's like, Sam, you are unprofessional. <laughs> he's like, I'm He really with you. relies on that word. This whole episode, like professionalism and professional, like Joe's trying to like play act at management, which is very accurate for white men in leadership in any sort of organization. <laughs> Just Not that I've been having life. some personal experiences with this <laughs> over the past, you know, 10 plus years in corporate America. True. Um, but there's a difference between play acting management and actually like being a leader. And Joe hasn't recognized that. This is true. So he really pushes the kids over the edge and Sam and David both quit. And Joe's like, you can't quit. I'm firing you. Classic. Classic. So, so, so Joe's trying to do this business all by himself. He's got all of the, the groceries in the living room and he's like underwater, just like really trying to get it all figured out. He can't find the hot dogs because Wishbone is sitting on them. And then, <laughs> then, then they show him with a couple more bags of groceries and Wishbone finds a melted container of strawberry ice cream, which he is like, this is awesome. He starts licking it up. And Wanda and Ellen come in the house and they're like, Joe, what's going on? He's like, can you see, can you find the carton of ice cream? I can't find it anywhere. And then Wishbone comes in and he like, uh, leaves like paw prints all over the living room with like strawberry paw prints. And Joe's like, oh no, now I have to go to the store again. I've already been three times. And Wanda's like, do you need help? And Ellen like shakes her head like, nope, he doesn't need help. He needs to figure this out himself. And Wanda's like, because I know a courier service that could help you deliver all these groceries if you want. And so Joe pays the couriers. She's like, they are expensive. And he's like, okay, I can, I can do this and pays the couriers. And he works for a month and all he has is $20 after he pays the couriers to deliver all of his groceries. And Ellen is like, you know, every business has its setbacks, but there are some losses that don't show up on the balance sheet. So you should really think about this. And he's like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to get my business back on track. And so he's in his room and he has 30 orders that he needs to get delivered by himself. And so he does all these calculations and he's like, I wake up at 530 every day and go to work and go to the grocery store and like do all this stuff. I can get all these deliveries done. 
but now he's very tired. He's delivering groceries before the newspapers are even getting delivered at people's houses, which if someone delivered groceries to my house that early, I'd be very upset. So I know I'd be upset. I'd be like, <laughs> bro, I work mountain hours. Like, don't wake me up. <laughs> I, mean, I just don't like. It was still dark out. I don't want groceries delivered when it's still dark out. I'm not dressed yet. I don't want to see you. And you anyway. have to put them away after that. You haven't even had your coffee. Exactly. Not good. So Joe is like looking through his business books and he's like, oh, I wonder if there's anything here that could help me. And Ellen's like, well, what are you trying to look up? And he was like, I'm trying to see if there's any, if they have any advice on friendship. And Ellen's like, you know, Joe, you really need to work on like finding a balance between work and play. And you you could make these both things happen with this business. You know, when you play basketball, it's fun, but you're also learning. So it's also work and you need to figure out how to kind of strike a balance. So she gets him a book on teamwork that he needs to read. And he's like, you know, if I treated, if people on my basketball team treated me the way that I treated Sam and David, I'd be really upset. So he decides to close his business and he apologizes to Sam and David and gives them the rest of the profits that, that he earned and they're like, you know, I think this is just enough money for us to go to Pepper Pete's for a going out of business sale or party. And that was the end. It was. It was so cute how it ended. And it also was proof that Sam and David weren't doing this for the money. Like they were doing it to help Joe. And like we talked about earlier, at no point does Joe actually pay them what he promised them and when they quit they're not like oh like you didn't pay us enough or like we're mad like for these financial reasons they're mad because like joe is you know ignoring the sanctity of their friendship and taking advantage of them yeah i think i mean i really was proud of sam and david for standing up for themselves and i think the way that they handled the whole thing was really admirable especially in light of joe being so ridiculous um but I kind of yeah we could talk about it in the key takeaways too a little bit more but I kind of felt like Ellen should have stepped in more and been like okay this is off the rails like you need to be a normal human but I guess that wouldn't made for good conflict in the plot and like neither of us is parents uh so I don't I think there is like a balance between like letting your kids like safely be able to make mistakes but this is like real people's money and like real people's lives. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think I think if the mistakes that he had been making only impacted him, that would be one thing. But like his mistakes were impacting other people being able to get their groceries, but also like his relationships with Sam and David, who I mean, you shouldn't be treating you he shouldn't takes allow advantage your of already. <laughs> right yeah he shouldn't you shouldn't be allowing your kid to take advantage of their friends and like treat their friends like crap knowingly I don't know that's just my personal opinion but anyway okay. it all worked out yeah. perfect I want to grab a I want to grab a blanket before we go into the yeah all right, all right. So, so let's, let's go to this Oh, I have like feedback. What about now? Hello? Okay, it's working now. Um, all right, let's hop into the story of King Midas. 
Wishbone explains that King Midas is a story told in a poem, Metamorphosis, which was written by Avid. Um, Ovid. And what? Ovid. Ovid. I bet it's fixed in your autocorrect. Yes. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the story of Midas is um, about a king who is going through a forest and he sees an old man who is like laying on the ground and he like says to the, his people with him, his servants, I guess, like, who's this man? And they're like, oh, he's just a drunk man in a ditch. Midas is like, no, he's a wise old man and a teacher and a favorite of the gods. And Silenus, I think is... Silenus, yeah. Yeah. Um, is this man, and he says that he was beaten and robbed. And Wishbone is like, well, Midas, aka Wishbone, <laughs> is like, well, let me take you back to the palace. And so he ends up saving his life. And for that, Bacchus, the god of wine and revelry, uh, appears and grants Midas one wish. <laughs> in this in this part, there was a little song and dance number that I really liked. So funny. It was like a rap slash spoken word. <laughs> and he was in like a purple toga with grapes on his head. It was really like, preposterous. Selenius, like, is this older gentleman. We also saw him play Don Quixote. He was like jamming to the music. <laughs> it was really funny. So <laughs> Bacchus grants Midas one wish and Midas is like, I want to be rich. So I would, I want the gift of the golden touch so that everything I touch turns to gold. Bacchus looks very disappointed in this idea, but he grants it anyway. And at first Midas is like, this is awesome. I can run around and everything I touch turns to gold. So he turns his whole palace into gold and his wife looks horrified. She is not happy about this. Um, and he's like throwing parties and he's really excited about his ability to turn things to gold. And he like tries to eat a roll, but it turns to gold. And then he tries to eat grapes and they turn to gold. And then his one of his servants is like feeding him the grapes and he like bends down to pick something up and Midas like goes to touch him and say like, oh, it's okay. And then he turns his servant into gold and everyone at the party is terrified and they run away. So Midas is like, man, this is horrible. I need to go to sleep. And so he tries to climb into bed and his bed turns into gold and it's very uncomfortable. And this is where he starts to regret his decision a little bit. So Midas is trying really hard to unwish his wish and he just wants to be able to eat and be able to touch his wife and not have to worry about turning everything into gold. He's getting very hungry. And his wife is like, you've got to just keep trying. Like, you've got to try and unwish this wish. And his daughter comes up to him and is like reaching out, trying to console him. And then his wife like reaches out to try to pull her do- their daughter back and because the daughter touches Midas and then the wife was touching the daughter, they, they both turn into gold. And Midas is like, oh no, this is the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. And so he repents with his whole heart and he is just so upset. And Bacchus finally comes back to help him unwish his wish. And he says that he must bathe himself in the falls of the Pyrite River And then he has to go back and like touch everything he touched in order to return his wife and daughter back to their original state. So Midas goes to the river and washes himself in the falls of the river. And when they show this, Wishbone is like shaking off in the water and like the whole, all the water is turning gold, which I thought was really cool. 
But I was confused as to how he got to the falls without turning like the entire world gold while he was walking there. But that's just a question. That's true. Maybe like it only works on inanimate objects. Well, uh, yeah, I was going to say maybe it doesn't work on nature, but it worked on like human beings and grapes. Yeah. what what are what are the limits of the golden touch is really what we're going after here perhaps i was thinking too like thinking too far into it but anyway so he goes and he touches everything in the palace and then his wife and his daughter return back to normal and he's lost his gift of the golden touch but he has everything he wanted back and that's the end and it's a very easy story it was really easy sorry to cut you off there um this was the first time where we saw Wishbone play like an older character, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> like Rip Van Winkle, maybe, was one that was older that oh, he yeah. played. a little but, beard. Yeah, but I feel like this was the first one where I really saw Wishbone as like a full adult. Like, And I like perceived him as a full adult, as this King Midas. Um, so that was kind of fun for me as a viewer, too. <laughs> yeah. I liked it a lot and like I said it was a pretty fast story it was pretty easy to tell obviously it just took me like three minutes to tell that story but I think it's such a classic story and it has such a like a pretty easy to understand uh, moral tale and I thought I really liked watching the episode I thought that the the costumes and the scenery were cool and it was just like one set piece I think like you said before but that was a good little good episode yeah, and the special effects, Jillian described this pretty well, but every time something was said to turn to gold, like we would see like a glimmer over the screen mm-hmm. or the thing that turned gold, and then it would physically look gold, like look like a hard piece of gold. Like they painted the people and the grapes and the yeah. stuff like that. That was really cool. Yeah, his servant looked really cool. I noticed he was wearing kind of like a shinier gold outfit and then like he was completely painted. His whole body was painted gold. He was like a living statue. Um, it was really, I thought they did a great job making it look real enough, but also look fake enough. You know, it was like kind of in between. It was cool. Yeah. And I thought that the two stories tied together, like super well, obviously like, yeah, Joe was like, Oh, here's a quick way I can make a few bucks. Uh, but you know, Sometimes you got to stop, do the work. <laughs> yeah. Have anything about the costumes or the like fashion from the episode that you wanted to talk about? Really? No. I think you touched on everything I noticed as far as the costumes and in terms of like the 90s outfits, I didn't really see anything special besides yeah. as Joe's short sleeve button. <laughs> the and their uniforms were very atrocious. Yes. I did like when Wishbone was Midas. He had like a gold leaf crown that was really cute. I liked that. I like that. The costumes were good. The adaptation was really good. Like simple costumes, like not that many actors, special interesting special effects, like simple sets, but it like it they told the story really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. A great episode. Good job, Wishbone. Mm-hmm. so do you have key takeaways that you wanted to talk through i was thinking really hard through this episode we usually stayed off top if we haven't written down key takeaways and i had totally forgotten to write down a key takeaway this time 
And I think there are a couple that came to mind for me. Like one, I was like, well, is this a story about like things that are too good to be true, which in, you know, Midas's case it was, or is this a story of, you know, taking people for granted? And that's, that's Mm -hmm. kind of the piece that I landed on. I felt that resonated in both the Midas story and Joe's experience. Like you can take people for granted in any part of your life, whether you are, you know, a member of a family, whether you're a friend, whether you're a colleague at work, whether you are going to a restaurant to pick up takeout food. <laughs> there are so many ways that you can show and say um, that you're not taking people with for granted. And, you know, in the workplace or in any sort of commerce, like, pay people right like we talked about how joe Mm -hmm. promised money to sam and david and he didn't pay them um and especially right now in this era of slightly more heightened consciousness around uh pay inequity and inequity in the workplace and um what does unfairness mean and who gets to choose what's unfair i think there's a lot of um a lot of interesting thoughts out there and a lot of explicit actions you can make. Um, But Tiffany Ashley Bell, who's a entrepreneur, investor, really smart woman who founded uh, the Human Utility, which is a, I'll call it a startup um, that pays people's water bills in in Detroit and Miami and other cities right now. And uh, she said a couple months ago, she said, make the hire, send the wire that's it. It seems, it sounds so simple, but especially in tech and in every other environment, no matter what industry you're in, it's so easy not to hire the best qualified person because Mm -hmm. our biases or perceptions or how we've always done it, or someone's too expensive or someone's different. Um, But you know what? pay them <laughs> like show show that you're not going to take them for granted and it it may feel like a risk but it the 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 potential for value outweighs the costs in many cases so where i'm landing with this is um you know taking people for granted how does that resonate with you <laughs> yeah i think that that's really true it's kind of where i landed as well i think I was thinking about like the moral tale of Midas is really like, be careful what you wish for, right? And don't take the easy way out. But I think that Joe's business could have worked. It wasn't an outlandish idea. It seemed super reasonable. You know, if he had just had those bike trailers that David and his dad built and he had let Sam make those t-shirts, his business would have been awesome. They could have like really scaled it to a reasonable size And he was doing a great job, but then he treated his friends like crap. And that was where it went wrong. And I think he could have even gotten his business back on track had he just apologized. He didn't have to close his business. The reason why he closed his business was because he couldn't handle being a leader without being an asshole. So (laughs) I think you're absolutely right. That was, and that was where I came to it too. It was just like, don't be a jerk. That really wasn't that hard. And I think had Ellen, like I was saying earlier, had Ellen stepped in and said to him, like, you're being an asshole. And if you don't stop being an asshole, you can't have a business anymore. Like he could have figured it out, but she just let him kind of run wild until he burned it all down, which I guess is a lesson of its own, but. 
Yeah, the more that we talk, the more I do agree with, you know, the comment that I, I'll say I pushed back on it earlier in the episode where you suggest that Ellen should have said something sooner. Like, Ellen knows Joe. <laughs> like, Ellen knows Joe, who he is. Joe is what he is. And I think um, it it couldn't have been a surprise that things were kind of landing where they were landing when it came to Joe trying to do this. And Joe does respond to like feedback, but he needs to receive the feedback in order to respond to it. And in this one, I, I get a little bit because the kids are getting older. We again, don't really know how old they are, but I think they're like in middle school and She's trying to, you know, let him make his own mistakes, but these weren't, this wasn't the first time he was making some of these mistakes and Ellen did, you know, could have been like, Ellen saw it all. A lot of times parents don't see and parents Mm -hmm. don't observe and parents don't have like feedback and, you know, if Sam and David are leaving her house, like upset, she can see that and she knows their parents. (laughs) Yeah, well, and that's another thing. Like, if I had had a friend treat me like that, my parents definitely would not have not, like, my parents would have called those parents and been like, listen, your kid's being a jerk, you know? I just think, I I just really feel like it went on too long. And I'm all about letting kids make their own mistakes. And I think that that'll be a really challenging thing when I am a parent to not step in. I think it's probably hard for all parents who are involved in their kids' lives the way Ellen is. But I think that this, she just let this go on too long. But maybe, you know, Joe is just not ready for the authority and the, the power of being in charge. So maybe that was what he needed to learn. Yeah. And even on the basketball court, because, you know, at the end, as Jillian mentioned, Ellen gives Joe a book about teamwork and he really realizes that he still has a lot of lessons to learn in terms of being a team member, whether on or off a sports field of some sort. <laughs> and I think we've seen Joe like not be great captain with like floor hockey and basketball and things like that. Like, you know, leadership isn't something you're born with. Leadership isn't something you can achieve a pinnacle about. Like it is about continuous improvement and vulnerability and feedback and all the things Jillian and I talk about when we talk about Brene Brown. (laughs) Um, But so much of it is like recognizing that you're fallible and that you have a lot of opportunity to learn. Like, you know, just because I'm a underrepresented person in my industry or my workplace doesn't mean I'm the best advocate or ally for other people who look like me or other women or other people of color in the workplace. Like I am still learning and figuring it out and recognizing that I'm wrong and reaching out and making friendships and like, you know, building my own little cohort of people at my level um, who don't necessarily have my job or who don't necessarily interact with me professionally. So I can be better at this in the long run. And um, hopefully, I think I didn't do sports growing up, but I do as an adult, I wish I did because I think you learn a lot of uh, important skills as Joe is realizing um and I think I think hopefully Joe comes out of these this whole childhood adolescence time better yeah 
I think it's kind of disappointing that he was reading all of those books and none of those books gave any sort of advice on how to be a good leader. I mean, which I know that there are plenty of shitty books out in the world, but I feel like he could have really been reading something that could have been helpful. And like you said, learning, being a leader is a learning process and you're constantly learning and adapting and growing and changing. And I think some people are born with maybe a natural inclination to be a leader, but really becoming a good leader takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of development and personal development. So and that's Joe hard. could have gotten there. Yeah, I think Joe could have gotten there. And I totally agree that, you know, the specific books that Joe is reading maybe weren't aligning him to leadership but I mean when he looked up friendship in the index of a book about how to run a business and it wasn't in there like that should be a red flag right there like people who people who are in leadership positions and aren't leaders don't always have friends (laughs) who are willing to be like honest and open with them and maybe don't have those sort of like social relationships that they could have and and there's there is a focus on separating your business from the person you are when you're in an entrepreneurial field which is truly impossible because your business is your baby and it's it's hard to be told you're doing something wrong or you need to hire someone who's better at some aspect of running your business than you and that goes back to like Joe assigning Sam to make the t-shirts and then deciding he could do it better himself. Like, weren't you just saying you're trying to get better at delegating? Like, no, you're micromanaging. And that's, that's not how you get like a team to actually achieve goals together. <laughs> you could have learned so much from business school if he had only gone... I mean, I don't think you have to go to business school to learn some of this stuff. Too. No, you don't. I think I I don't know. <laughs> I went to business school. So maybe and I went later than is the average time in a career that someone goes to business school. I think the average age for people who go to a full-time MBA program is like in the mid-20s, mid to late 20s. And Personally, I think that is not a time in your career where you could really leverage the opportunities to have a safe space to fail in terms of leadership and teamwork and trying new industries and tactics and roles. Um, But that's not why people go to business school. The idea of business school has been sold to you know, be a springboard into a certain job or certain career path, which that's fine. If that's what people want, that's fine. They can pay the, you know, multiple hundred thousands of dollars to do that and get access to those jobs and networks. Um, But I think there's so much, so much opportunity and information out there. And hopefully today, you know, 20, 25 years later, there's um, better information. Maybe Joe will just need to, you know, live a little bit and then he can, maybe he's the original founder of Instacart and just took him a while to, you know, really settle in and get some other skills under his belt. Yeah, I think that's totally believable. <laughs> he he sold his idea to the actual founders of Instacart. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, thanks as always, Shauna, for a good conversation. I think like we usually say, a simple episode comes with a good, you know, good moral lesson for us. Did you have any recommendations for our listeners this week? My recommendation this week, Jillian and I, before we started recording, we're talking about whether we are marking the passage of time um, in some way or thinking about, you know, comparing what we were like this time last year versus now, uh, you know, about one calendar year after we were, you know, changing our, our lifestyles um, to be similar to how other people have been living and working, whether they're working from home or they had chronic pain or whatever, or had to stay home for other reasons. Um, and I encourage our listeners not to see our past routines as aspirational. I think, um, now we get to create our own new normal. I hate that expression, but like I am trying to be more present. That is something I've been working on for the last couple of years. And it's so easy to be like, oh my gosh, like a year ago, I was eating this way or exercising this way or socializing this way or managing my workload this way. And things are just different. Like there is a global pandemic. There have been so many, it like, instances or issues or you know things that happened occurrences that happened in the past calendar year that have affected all of us in different ways many of us in some more ways than other A, a lot of bad stuff has happened in the last year a lot of difficult stuff so yeah my recommendation is in this time where we are, you know, coming up on a calendar year of our lives being changed in America. Um, don't don't see your past past life or past lifestyle as aspirational. Create create your own new aspirational lifestyle. That's my recommendation. That's very deep. I live alone. <laughs> <laughs> My recommendation is not nearly as deep, but I think you're right. I think thinking that our lives are going to return to what they were before is really just impossible. We've all experienced a collective trauma, right? And I think um, that's what I keep thinking about the closer we get to what we see as the end of this current phase. Um, I have not been vaccinated yet. and I'm very much looking forward to the day that I am vaccinated, but what I know is that even after I'm vaccinated, my life is not going to go back to being the way it was. Nothing about this is going to ever be the exact same way it was. It will take decades for people to let their guard down if they ever do. I think I will always be more germ conscious. I will always be more cautious about being in crowds. I will always, you know, I will always have a bit of a trauma from this. And I think that that's okay as long as we're all prepared to kind of re-navigate the new world the way that makes us feel safe. So um, I think you're right to start thinking about what you want your life to be like now and recognize that some of the things that used to exist for us are just not going to. Yeah. And when they come back, they might just be different. And we as Americans are experiencing this very differently from other parts of the world for many, many reasons. 
One of which yeah. is I think pe people within the country and outside the country underestimate how big this country is um, with hundreds of millions of people and borders are, you know, geopolitical creations um, in this country. So the way that coronavirus is managed has been really different. Um, and we're not historically a culture that learns from its mistakes the way that East Asian and Southeast Asian countries did, you know, after SARS and H1N1 and masks becoming the norm there in, you know, social casual life happened 10 years ago. And now Jillian and I are having a conversation about how, hey, like, you know what, when I go to the grocery store, probably I'm going to be wearing a mask. Or like when I go to a concert, probably I'm going to be wearing a mask. <laughs> like, yeah, it's different. And maybe that's okay too, right? Like there are definitely things that have fallen to the wayside from my past life that I feel okay about. And there are going to be things that I'm going to miss, but we'll figure it all out when we get there, I guess. I agree. What's your recommendation? I hopefully, hopefully that recommendation wasn't too much of a downer. <laughs> well, here's my recommendation, which I hope is brings a little bit of like levity to people's lives. I have recently subscribed to my 95th uh, streaming service, Discovery Plus. And I, let me tell you, as someone who loves reality TV, this is what I needed in my life. I can watch episodes of one of my very favorite TV shows, Ace of Cakes, which is about a cake decorator in, ba in Baltimore. Baltimore. Charm City Cakes, Duff Goldman. And this show aired, like, started airing when we were in high school. And I can go all the way back to the beginning and watch all of the episodes, which I used to, like, watch in my dorm room in college and, like, in my parents' house on Christmas break. And it has been one of the true joys of the past like two weeks and it's only seven dollars a month and there are no commercials so let me tell you it's great i highly recommend um i got rid of a couple other streaming services in order to put this one into my life because the world just doesn't need so many streaming services but it has been just a true joy and there's like hgtv if that's your jam all sorts of food network shows tlc which is another one of my favorite deep dives just really a lot of good programming if you want to shut your brain off. That's, That's my awesome. recommendation. Thank you for that recommendation. I, I think about that show all the time because I live in the DC area and people go, people go to schools in Baltimore and Ace of Cakes is how I learned about the school Towson where I actually know someone has gone there since then and like sometimes I see like Towson alumni or things like that and I I think of that show like that's how I learned about Towson <laughs> that's hilarious I also think you can get like gold belly I think it is delivers ace of cakes cakes for like a hundred dollars and don't think I haven't thought about it during quarantine just because I loved that show when I was younger and now that I'm rewatching all the old episodes, I may just like treat myself one day. Do it. I, two things. One is I remember at Target, they used to carry Ace of Cakes brand like cake mm -hmm. mixes. And the second thing is one time when we were both living in Milwaukee, I remember we ordered like a whole bunch of like random fancy like food I this is not a great strong memory for me <laughs> I just remembered we ordered like a random like cake my sister might have been there I feel like she ordered a, a yeah she did we would do that from time to time when I when I had that like 
really nice large apartment that was really, really nice <laughs> it was a really nice apartment um but we would like I remember one night we made like our own food and then or like our own desserts and then ate like really expensive pizza another time we like ordered all different kinds of frozen custard we really lived oh, our yeah. best lives there <laughs> we really did live our best lives when you lived in that apartment <laughs> I did think your sister got a cake one time that we enjoyed together I feel like she ordered, remember that frozen yogurt place? Um, yeah. I feel like, I think she graduated, she graduated from college when we were all living in Milwaukee. So I feel like she must've bought that cake to like celebrate. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. All these memories locked up in here. <laughs> oh, good times. Well, Maybe in the after times when I can be around people, I will order an ace of cakes cake and enjoy it. I mean, you could order it for yourself anyway. That, I could order myself one for graduation. I love it. I love the way you think. And isn't that around when your dad will be? No. Is that when your dad's arm will be working more? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it should be a graduation cake, though. I think it'll be a graduation cake and just the fact that my dad can now move his arm again after tearing a bicep that's just that'll just be icing on the cake as they say and on that note (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening thank you for joining us um stay tuned for next week when we have a special guest it'll be awesome we're looking forward to chatting with you soon bye Subscribe to What's the Story with Jillian and Shauna wherever you listen to podcasts. Every episode of Wishbone is on YouTube and we've linked them for you at wishbonepodcast.com. Hope you'll join in.